discovered the podcast, Why Are UFOs Top Secret? With expert Bob Bria. gathered here today to get through this thing called extraterrestrial life <laughs> and last week we were covering ancient astronaut theory especially especially mr von daniken's book and theory and we kind of went from there and uh usually we're talking about is the cover-up worse than the crime kind of thing right I'd like to go into a little uh, little background of how I uh, really stumbled into this uh, odd subject of uh, unidentified flying objects. Um, last week, I was speaking about the uh, ancient alien, uh, and uh, I came across that, that topic uh, by uh, picking up a book that uh, was being read by uh, an employee of mine. And he left this book in uh, my store, and I picked it up, and uh, behold, it was The Chariots of the Gods by Eric Von Daniken. And uh, I thumbed through it, and uh, I didn't really pay too much attention to it because I, I was leaving the uh, store. But the following day, uh, when I came in, I spoke to uh, my employee about the book, and he started to tell me about it. What was his name? His name was Juan... Juan, I just want to personally thank you from the UFO podcast that uh, that you placed that book on purpose. I know you left it behind on purpose. Please go ahead, Mister Bria. What what else happened? There? So so he he uh, he got me interested in the uh, the book. So I went I went out and I purchased a, a copy for myself, and I think I read it in uh, one day. It, it was so intriguing uh, that um, it really. Uh, it interests me to the point where uh, when I got to the end of the book and I, and I thumbed through uh, the, the, uh, the uh, credits and then I, I turned it over on the backside and I, and I happened to read the, the quote that he had placed, uh, the author had placed on the back, mm -hmm. which said, is God an astronaut? And uh, it really like uh, wham, like it banged me in the head. And uh, I was about 20 years old at the time. So um, I had uh, been aware of uh, the, uh, the subject of uh, UFOs, but I, I never connected the two of them. But after reading... Um, that's interesting. So that 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 term in itself is is God an astronaut? Um, I guess the, the the astronaut part puts it in the modern term time. Yeah, it, it's like a trigger, you know. Uh, it's like oh, yeah. bring it brings the two things together because in all the years that I've been reading about this subject, I, I, I've come to the conclusion that the 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 analogy of of language and the study of terms from thousands of years ago and those terms being applied and used today are, are in our books, our holy books and our uh, religious books. And, and, and we, we tend to overlook the significance of the words uh, because of their association with our faith. But as uh, the Von Daniken theory uh, expresses, um, it's very provocative, though, you know, because so so that stuck with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I went to Catholic, a Catholic school and I had eight years of religious training. I had catechism every morning. So I, I, I was very familiar with the, all the aspects of the Old Testament. And uh, I had questioned uh, 
that I had posed to my teachers at the time, and this was way before I even picked up the book or heard about the book uh, by Von Daniken. And the, uh, the subject that uh, brought uh, curiosity to me was this uh, prophet uh, in the Bible called Ezekiel and his uh, reference to a, uh, an encounter with a, uh, a thing that he uh, called the uh, wheel within a wheel. And that, that term was very odd because the only thing I could think about a wheel was a bicycle wheel. So uh, it didn't make any sense. But then about a year or two later, I, ha I got my hands on uh, what's called a gyroscope. And I, I had the, uh, the typical childhood fascination with the, the wonders of the gyroscope. The wonders of the gyroscope and the and, and you the, feel and the, the pull of the gravity, the pull of the wheel and how it it held its balance when you turned it sideways, and later when I realized that the the, uh, the gyroscope was used in submarines and aircraft for balance, and uh, I started to think about the Ezekiel description of the wheel within a wheel, and I and I started to have you know questions in my mind. What was he? referring to by the way last week's podcast if you're interested to check out uh, the, those exact passages of ezekiel um check out our podcast last week we covered that yes we we certainly did that was fun. and uh it, it, it's an example of uh, misinterpretations of technology because uh technology is is something that today we we understand because we have technology and uh any any advanced technology, we, we would we would look at it as uh, advanced technology. It's hard to it's hard to predict in the future. It seems like uh, the iPhone has everything. I mean, I'm waiting for what maybe uh, to launch missiles or something. If you press the right code, I mean, what else can it do? Take your wife out for dinner? But maybe? now that we're in that we're in that that age of technology, we can comprehend technology. But that's you have advanced. you have if you look back to those ancient times, like we talked about last week, and you think. And then you look forward that far and think how we're looking back at them. That's how they would be looking back at us. So if they're 2,000 years ahead of us in technology, we can't even imagine. Mm -hmm. Can't even imagine. Mm -hmm. Show If you could go back 2,000 years, show them a cell phone and what you could do with it, I think you would be the king. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but but, but the, what, what I'm trying to get at is that, that we, we, we refer to technology today because we we can understand what what technology is because it, it's something that 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 provides us with uh, ease and simplicity oh so go back so you were talking about what got you with uh, so that captured you the quote by von daniken and it connected you with today and now you're talking about the technology but there's a little piece in between there what what got you Oh, so, so the ancient alien theory, which is a whole body of work itself, and it's amazing and very, I think, convincing. <laughs> I'd like to use that word. Yeah, without just. But what got you then to look into other things? Well, uh, as I, I think I may, I may have mentioned a small amount of time last week uh, that I had went to a, a store in New York City that carried all these books on this, uh, this subject. And uh, amongst the books were books on uh, uh, Von Daniken's theory and books on UFOs. And uh, I happened to pick uh, one or two up of them and uh, thumb through them. And uh, they, uh, they looked interesting. And they uh, mentioned uh, they mentioned things in the pages that I thumbed through that made me think of uh, maybe I should pick this book up and read it because it was... Uh, interesting in that it it brought into the uh, field of thought what von Daniken was talking about so I I started to think about it more and more and uh, it became I became obsessed with this uh, UFO subject because the uh, the von Daniken theory I had read you know quite a bit about it and so it it, it it's it just it sat there and you know because it took place in the past and uh it had to do with our past more than our future i i wanted to deal with something that was in our present and, and our future so 
So the subject of UFOs started to really occupy my, my reading uh, uh, activity. And I, I got my hands on hundreds, hundreds of books on the subject from uh, hard, hard to get books that were uh, not, to, not considered uh, easy to find. And I happened to find them because I, I was persistent in the, in the stores that I, I chose mm-hmm. to, to go shopping for. And I, uh, I accumulated a large bo- a, a book collection of uh, rare books. And those rare books contained a lot of information that was uh, very cohesive in, in drawing uh, the reality of this UFO I'd phenomenon. Like, I'd like to ask your wife, like, uh, would how 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 long and far were you willing to go for one of those books? I bet you're the guy that would pack it up for three days, drive into New Mexico in some random bookstore that you know had one copy of something, and you called them and told them, "Hold it!" Practically, <laughs> yeah. two hundred miles round trip. Right? Practically, <laughs> yeah. I, I I had become so uh, infatuated with this uh, this subject that when I uh, when I was working in this um, this location in uh, Manhasset, I uh, came across a book uh, at the time called Above Top Secret uh, by Timothy Good. And in the back of this book uh, was the first time I laid my eyes on the Majestic 12 uh, document and the briefing papers for Eisenhower. And at the time, the... Uh, the the uh, the preceding page of this document uh, d- d- described uh, how the document hadn't been confirmed and that there wasn't any proof that it that it was the real thing. But when I read it, I <laughs> immediately immediately knew that that document was real. Uh, the hair on my my arms stood up and. Uh, as I may have said many times before, that I don't have much hair on my head, so the only hair that was able to stand <laughs> up was on my arm. But uh, things don't do that to me very often. And um, this this um, this document uh, started to gain a lot of attention because other people like myself were theorizing about were it. theorizing that uh, this may be the real thing. And after all these years for this, uh, this document to be leaked, uh, actually, uh, fueled more of my interest in this subject. Uh, I, I, I proceeded to decide to, uh, to do some lectures on this subject because I felt that, uh, I wanted to communicate what I knew and I wanted to, uh, inform more and more people. So what I did as I worked at that time, I was a a hairdresser and uh, I would leave the book on my desk as bait. (laughs) And during the uh, conversation I would have with the particular customer or two, uh, I would, I would ask them uh, what they thought about the subject. And based on their answer, if it was a, uh, it was, if it was an answer that sounded very curious, I would, I would explain a little bit about it. And I would tell them that uh, in the back of this particular book that's on the desk in front of you has a document that if it's real uh, is, is astounding because it's the, it's the story that, that everybody in the, in this uh, planet has been speaking about for uh, hundreds and hundreds of years of whether we're alone or not in the universe. And this document confirms it. And it's been going, uh, the, the secret has been going on for a number of years. It's top secret and uh, two levels above. And two levels above the atomic bomb. <laughs> and uh, it, 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 like I said, and it's, it's magic. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's been considered the most uh Na- uh, national security uh, subject uh, for the United States government. The highest. Uh, the highest. And, uh, and that's to the, why they to, called it magic. Yeah. And it was, given, it was given such a high priority because of the unknown agenda 
that this uh, craft and the uh, occupants, uh, uh, you know, stood right. for. I mean, we didn't know why they were here and uh, if they were here to uh, eliminate us or to uh, bring us, uh, you know, some new vegetables or something. Or but, like uh, the, the politicians like to say today, that this could potentially be a real existential threat. <laughs> <laughs> existential, that's right. So, so they, uh, so they've been keeping this quiet for all these years, uh, and they will continue to keep the public uninformed until such time when they have to tell the public. How dare they? <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> but uh, the subject has uh, definitely um, expanded in the public's eye. Uh, a couple of years ago, the pilots off the coast of California uh, with the Navy started to uh, report these sightings that they had, and they received a lot of uh, attention in the media, and everybody was asking, what are they, what are they, what are they? And uh, this uh, individual named Louis Alexandra, uh, I think it's the name is, uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, but he was a former uh, employee in the Pentagon and uh, he was on uh, several networks and he spoke about this uh, accumulation of pilots reports. And uh, we've used some of these uh, reports on our opening for our podcast. Our little opening music section. Yeah. So I, I use this because I think it's very relevant to the, uh, to the public's uh, knowledge, they should hear the excitement the in these pilots' uh, reports because it's very important to hear the pilot be excited, uh, which usually pilots are not too excited. It's, <laughs> it's a well, very. I, I uh, have one queued up if you want to. Uh, oh, you do? Okay, yeah. let's, let's listen to this little. Uh, this pilot. is him talking about it, actually. I did five cruises to the Gulf. I started right after a desert storm. I had an entire squadron. I had 12 airplanes and 330 people. This is mine. This is what we typically flew at night. You can see these little brackets here. November 14th, 2004. Clear blue sky. There's no wind. And you see this tic-tac. It's just this white object that's randomly moving around. It makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up a little bit. I remember telling my backseater, I said, dude, I don't know about you, but I'm a little weirded out. It's not a helicopter. It doesn't have rotor wash. There's no propulsion. There's no wings. It rapidly accelerates and disappears. I'm like, poof, gone. Weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. I chased a UFO. Aha. That was me in the backseat, by the way. <laughs> Interesting description of a, uh, a pilot's uh, review of something that he couldn't explain. And uh, it doesn't sound like an aircraft that uh, I've ever seen. <laughs> um, in, in the in 19, uh, I think it is 1952, there was a, uh, a report that was issued to restrict pilots uh and uh, I have a copy of it, uh, which was released in 1966, and it restricts pilots from discussing this subject with the with the media. And uh, there's uh, and that's been corroborated by a lot of pilots, actually, that they're sworn to see. You know, they 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 have, they got got to keep the zip. They, this 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 uh, report is issued to a, to the Army, the Navy, and air personnel. So this air is, personnel. Wait a minute. <laughs> is that the professional? Because uh, well, I know they eventually went into commercial flights as well. They they're under secrecy. Well, they have yeah yeah. It might even be an unwritten rule, but I don't believe any pilots. What's have, interesting have about how leash. how thick it is and how detailed the analysis of what you saw as a pilot and the description uh, that they want you to detail in this. Uh, so you're going to detail the report, but you also have to shut up about it? Yes. 
is it's quite amazing how how much information they want from you on this thing that you saw and yet they don't want you to talk a bit about it to anyone and under strict uh, uh, almost being put into jail yeah it sounds like communism like espionage <laughs> an espionage restriction um I have letters in this this group of pages, which uh, are signed by uh, a colonel uh, in the uh, United States Air Force, an acting secretary, <laughs> Owen Greenblatt, and he authorizes the uh, the letter for the uh, the continuation of uh, this uh, Janap. It's called Joint. Army, Navy, Air personnel. Um, it, it, so once you've been genapped, you've been successfully shut, yeah, shut it, up. It, yeah, you've been you've been quieted down, <laughs> and the uh, amount of uh, description that that they require you to give, so that they can make a, a detailed analysis of if what you saw was. Uh, a mistake, or was it actually a disc, or a flying disc, like they uh, like they want you to keep trying about it. cylindrical objects? Mm -hmm. So, so this this report has has guided the pilots' uh, vision and reporting for years. So, when when you hear uh, a pilot uh, go on air traffic control. And the air traffic control says, you want to report a UFO? And he says, uh, no, not really. It, it's reason that he is, he's going to not want to talk about it. He may want to say something to the, uh, to the air traffic controller, but whether he wants to go forward and report it as a, a legitimate sighting is, is another thing. And uh, that, that prevents him from jeopardizing his license and uh, getting fined, but uh, in the uh, in the early '60s, there was a uh, a civilian uh, organization called NICAP, and uh, they uh, they had quite a good group of uh, individuals in their uh, in their board of directors and their mm -hmm. committee members uh, that would work to try to bring more light to this subject. And um, there's a section in this uh, book that uh, NICAP put, uh, put out, which uh, lists pilots from all over the world, civilian and commercial pilots. And um, it describes in a small, uh, a small amount of uh, words, maybe a sentence or two, just what they described and what they saw. And uh, some of them have witnesses. Like here's one from 1948. Dogfight with National Guard plane, intricate maneuvers, head-on passes, finally shot up and out of sight. Hmm. Yeah, read on each one. Pilot spotted UFO below him, dove toward it, object shot up into overcast. Overtook airliner. Pasted alongside, fled when plane turned towards it. Approached airliner head-on, circled it completely, stopping once on each side, suddenly sped away. Those are different ones that you're reporting. That each one that you report is, is from a different airline. Yes, different reports. Different, different state, different... Uh... Yeah, I mean, they can't keep up with it. It's sped away some so are military. fast you can't even see it. Mm -hmm. um, you've got e e even... Uh, even a balloon crew encircled mm -hmm. the balloon. <clears throat> U.S. Air Force F-84 chased UFO, turned back, and UFO followed. Ooh, that would, <laughs> that would be scary as hell, man. Oh, my God. Wait, it's, there's more. Second jet gave chase, turned back. UFO continued on course seen by ground observer corpse post. Yeah, I mean, there's got Any of you guys out there, please... 
contact us at UFOs Top Secret at Proton Mail. We'd like to have you on the show. Especially some retired airline pilots or some military pilots that may have some. Uh, These are all from the 50s and 40s, 50s, 60s. But well, the, but the, the, but the, the consistency 40s. of what they're reporting is there's a pattern to it. And the pattern is that the thing that's chasing them ha- has no. No, no gravity uh, to to deal with. The G forces are not an issue. I mean, there's there's movements that by these objects that are just not possible by any commercial airline. And that's what makes them believable. And and when I first read that book years ago, that's what really convinced me that geez, if these pilots don't know what they're seeing. I don't know what to, 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 to think. I mean, if they don't know what, what, what's up there, who, who is? I mean, they're trained to, 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 to recognize things that don't look uh, normal, whether it's a bunch of geese or, or it's a, a runaway balloon. I mean, they know what they're looking at. So when they, when they report something to the air traffic controller, it's, it's usually very uh, – mundane it's very you know yes sir no sir yes uh 300 feet in front of us it's very it's a very dry conversation it's Hmm. it's never like oh hey how you doing joe uh you know what i got to say about the clouds out there today (laughs) you know it's always a a very descriptive uh discussion with the air traffic controller that there's no baloney going on, you know, and if, and if there is any side language, it's very brief. If the, if the pilot happens to know the air traffic controller, he may say something like, hello, Joe, how, 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 how are you? And that's about it. But no, no uh, funny business in there. There's no, Hey, let's put, what do you say? Uh, we take a quick break while we play our intro music again so everyone can listen to those pilot accounts. Oh, sure. It'll, listen to them pilots. They always intrigue me. UFO's Top Secret will be right back with you. cylindrical objects are floating around we are back um the whole point of uh, our our uh, our podcast is to inform the public why this subject is top secret it's like i've said many many times before this is not an easy subject to digest it takes a lot of thought and a lot of uh, cross-checking and uh, talking to the uh, uh, to the right people too. There's uh, what I call uh, skeptics, and there's skeptics that are well. I mean, I think professional also, skeptics, and there's course, yeah. skeptical skeptics, which are not people that just are up to date on the information, but a professional skeptic. Is the one who is the one that's a tr- is a troublemaker, and, and all they do is just confuse uh, uh, the public. And, and there's professional skeptics in, in all kinds of fields that they're appointed to, and they and they know their job, and they and they do it well. And uh, during the early days of the UFO uh, 
subject, uh, there were several uh, prominent names that uh, would show up on uh, uh, books or on TV shows. And uh, one of the earliest ones that uh, received uh, a lot of attention was uh, Dr. Donald Menzel. And Dr. Donald Menzel <clears throat> wrote books uh, uh, contradicting the reality of uh, the UFO uh, subject. And uh, no one knew who he really was. They just thought he was a, an astronomy teacher. But it's a good place to start. <laughs> turns out years later that he was one of the founding members of the Majestic 12 uh, briefing uh, group. And uh, his purpose was to confuse the public at large uh, that the subject had no uh, validity. And uh, when he died, the, his replacement seemed to be another interesting character. And his name was uh, Philip Class. K-L-A-S-S, -S. and he would show up on every TV show that was carrying uh, a witness to this subject. Uh, anybody have, who saw something uh, that wanted to tell uh, Larry King about. Uh, so he was their guy that would go out and he was the spokesperson for the undercover. Yeah, he was, the, he was always the one that would uh, confuse the, the information so that the the public would not come away thinking, well, maybe this guy did see something. No, no. Philip Class said it was a misidentification, so it must be true. But uh, Philip, Philip Class was uh, one of those professional skeptics who his job was to deflect uh. the reality. And I have uh, conferred with other uh, investigators in this field uh, on that very thought, and uh, they, they agree 100% that he is a... Uh, a spy of uh, like a, a spy of uh, uh, professional skeptic. You know, he, his job is to do what he does, and, and he, he did it well. And uh, people, uh, because of him, uh, don't take the subject seriously enough. But uh, uh, people like me, who do take the subject serious, uh, have decided to speak out, and that's why I decided to start doing lectures. I've done lectures at uh, libraries, at high schools, and uh, uh, various locations. And uh, it, it, it does seem to have an audience. People uh, do want to know. Let's Check this one out. Pilot killed in crash of F-51 while chasing huge metallic circular object. Didn't end so well for oh, the witness is Captain Thomas Mantell, Air National Guard. Yeah, that's a famous case. And many on the ground. That's a very famous case. The Mantell case. Hmm. He chased the object so hard that he, he probably had uh, Oh, lost. that's the one you were telling me about. Yeah, he lost. Uh, he, he got. Um, he went too high. He yes. He just kept going. He, he lost his um, rationale. Yeah, when you go too high with the oxygen. Uh, <laughs> he was, he, he, it was emotional. Planes. Yeah. Uh, round UFO tracked on radar, observed from ground and air, climbed away through clouds. Captain W.H. Kerr and like three other guys, U.S. Air Force pilots. This book is called The UFO Evidence, published by the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomenon, Washington, D.C., 1964. So, as I read these, mm -hmm. I think of these two clips that the government recently put out, right, that the Pentagon, I think, put these out of these unidentified objects that they say they're unexplained, but they look like something we've never seen before. But, you, you know, pretty grainy and blurry and, mm -hmm. yeah. And then you read these from 1949. How many, I mean, it's like every week in 1950 here. Let me grab another one. Elliptical object circled plane raced away. Disc paced plane sped away when pursued. Disc flew below plane. These are these are all Air Force people. Yeah. What oh could wait, they here's be? one from United Airlines. David Stewart, United Airlines. He's, I think he's a, he became a good musician later in life. <laughs> uh, 
was it Eurythmics? I think it was Dave Stewart. <laughs> All right, this is um, United Airlines pilot. Cigar-shaped object paced plane for 20 miles. Had nothing to do with Monica Lewinsky. Oh, wait, no, I, that, I'm sorry. It didn't say that last part. I added that. But that's from United Airlines. Here's one from California Central Airlines. UFO with body lights came head on at plane, dipped down and passed below. It appeared to be a wing, Captain Harden said. It had no fuselage. Bands of blue light were visible across its width. That's in uh, October 1950 in San Fernando, California. So, the, what so could here they we be are. Describing? It's 2021, and we're seeing two little clips, and we have all of these from the 50s. Where are these clips? I mean, it's before cell phones, but that can you imagine if this was going on then? Is any of this going on now? Imagine if they compl- if they compiled this list for the next 30 years. I mean, this, this list I'm stopped. Saying. When did this list stop? Uh, in what year? It's in chronological asked? order, so it goes to 1963. So imagine if they if they continued to produce all these sightings. Look, wait, this one in Hawaii, the Air National Guard jet pilot. Rocket-like UFOs sped over high above jets, which were at 40,000 feet. <laughs> wow. Okay. I mean, so if that's, I not, mean, if that's yeah. not going to convince you that something is being reported, then, then, you, then, you're, then you're pretty... Uh, <laughs> Pretty simple-minded. I mean, you're over skeptical. Over skeptical. <laughs> I mean, if you're just going to say, "Oh no, that's that's uh, that's a piece of uh, meteor," you know, it's ball lightning. Uh, that that ball lightning story is uh, it's just a lot of baloney, and uh, the, the government used these these terms in the early days when they thought that they could uh, write these uh, these objects off and that uh, they, they would go away and uh, they wouldn't have to deal with them anymore. But because they continued to have these sightings, they had to go deep into secrecy and to keep denying that what, they, what the public was seeing was anything to pay attention to. That's why the, the psychological aspect is this warfare term. I mean... You think that warfare has to involve weapons? No, it can involve psychological damage that, that they can do, whether it's to, to humiliate you, embarrass you, uh, to put you... Plenty of examples of that today. All kinds of ways to make you look like a fool. And, and, and honestly, it has worked to the degree that, you know, I mean, I've studying this subject all these years. And I've been I've been criticized by people, and I've been they don't make many mistakes. And I've been uh, you know uh, you know adored by some people because some people say to me, "Oh wow, you you really know what you're talking about." And I said, "Yes, that's because I, I spent a, a tremendous amount of time trying to 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 force the subject to the to the truth to the up to, to get all this the stuff out and and see which is." The, the truth and, and what's the baloney. Okay. But that being said, and, and, and we applaud your effort for that. And I'm, you know, this is a lot of fun doing this and, I, and it's why we're doing this. But I believe that the public's belief in this subject has just increased in more and more over the years, like since Von Daniken to today, it just seems, I don't, I haven't looked at the polls, but <laughs> but I, I have, I have, I read a recent article about it. It was a pretty high percent. It was something like, 78%, I, I can't quite remember the number, but it's pretty high of the amount of people that believe in extraterrestrial life. Well, on, on that note, I, 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 I do believe that there has been a, uh, an effort by our uh, authorities to uh, prepare our planet for this uh, reality. And through the use of Hollywood and uh, uh, <laughs> books uh, that could uh, soften the effect of this uh, shocking, uh, well, yeah, and, and fact. Look, at, look at let's go back to these two video clips recently released by the Pentagon. Look, look, go back and watch the clips of of, of the mainstream news media, and they're just like, whoa, wow. That's wild. Well, anyways, what's for dinner tonight? You know, and it's like, where are the questions? Where's the digging? Where's the, you know, people to dig and 
you know, for more answers from the Pentagon or to compare things or to do what you're doing. Where, where, where is that happening? It's not. So it's a controlling of the narrative leaking. We're going to see one video here, one video there. They're not going to look that um, amazing, but I think it's, they're gauging the public's belief. So how do you fool 78% of the people? They're testing the public. It's not as easy anymore. They're testing the public's belief by allowing whatever information does finally get to the public's attention as long as they don't have to outwardly admit admit it. it it goes back to the last paragraph in the majestic 12 document which which describes that a contingency report would be put into effect should the need to present itself where they would would absolutely have no way to, to lie about this and that would happen if they landed in Central Park in the middle of the afternoon. Right. Uh, that would be the, the last uh, straw. Well, Santa so, Claus did in one movie. So, so as long as, they, as they, they don't have to admit it on a, on a, on a real uh, absolute need to know, they're going to exactly. deny it. Because it's not. There's nothing absolute about those events. Oh, it's unidentified. We don't know. Because, yeah, they can, they can keep saying that they, they could be remote-controlled uh, vehicles from uh, an adversary, you know. Uh, in, in the times when someone, when, when the guest does get excited, though, well, yes, this is really something, and it's unexplainable. So it's still a UFO. It's not an IFO. <laughs> Unfortunately, the public still looks to the government for for truth, even though there's not much truth coming out of the government lately. Uh, There's been a lot of uh, misinformation and uh, propaganda being dispersed uh, for various reasons. Well, Uh, and this is a perfect example here. I mean, look, since since the 50s, they've been suppressing it successfully. Yeah. And the the initial reason appears to be panic because don't forget we had just we had just successfully conquered the uh the uh the the, the nazis we, i mean we ended the war and so people were like oh wow we can breathe again we can open the windows we can we can smell the air i would you see know. i would have thought in the 60s with you know with the the marijuana smell in the air and all the hippies that they would have gotten to the bottom but i guess they I guess they so, were so too the, busy trying to blast off to outer space then instead of like the concern. The concern right after the uh, the uh, the sightings were being made in in New Mexico and uh, Arizona and Nevada. These sightings were causing tremendous concern because they weren't landing and and just saying, "Okay, we're here. We want would be we were just being observed at high altitudes." So the uh, the interest was for national uh, defense to find out if this was the enemy watching us or was something else. And when the uh, when the Roswell incident occurred, they had concrete proof that we're not alone in the universe, and that 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 concrete proof. Uh, caused a, a big uh, <laughs> a big disruption in the uh, the government uh, because uh, a lot of things changed as a result of that uh, incident in New Mexico because all the, the the sightings were indicating that these objects were were being spotted over military installations so. Uh, immediately we thought they were the adversary checking us out. So we didn't think anything about E.T. at the time. So uh, we just kept an eye on these things. So uh, they... Well, it it kind of seems like that's what they were doing to us, right? Yeah, they were watching us, we were watching them. And uh, when uh, when the sighting in uh, June... uh, of 1947 at, uh, by Kenneth Arnold, the, the sighting of the nine flying disks uh, over Mount Rainier, that, um, 
that drew the attention of the press. And when the reporters asked the pilot what he was uh, seeing, he uh, described it as a uh, saucer uh, skimming across the water. And so the words flying saucers were born and uh, they stuck. Those two words stuck in the... uh, in the media, and every time a sighting was made, uh, those words were employed. So, <clears throat> I feel a little compelled to. So a week, so a week later, we have the July incidents in uh, Roswell. Mm-hmm. So, the time difference between the Kenneth Arnold sightings and the crash in New Mexico were very. Uh, was it the same? Well, they were well. They were both in areas where there was uh, scientific right. uh, things going on. I mean, uh, with the atomic weapons. In, in in the state of Washington, we had uh, we had military uh, facilities in uh, Seattle, and uh, we had. Uh, if you look at the uh, if you look at the uh, Seattle Washington uh, restaurant that. Uh, this, they call it the uh, the Sky Needle. <laughs> that was made as a memorial to the uh, the UFO. Do you know that? Because get that's, your seat right here. Get you get you <laughs> the restaurant. Tuna Melton, look out for the cylindrical objects. When you ever you ever <laughs> see that restaurant, you 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 look at it and say, "Wow, that looks just like a flying saucer." That, <laughs> they did that for a reason because that that area became very famous because of that sighting uh, by Kenneth Arnold. Uh, well, the interesting thing about it being called a saucer is that if I if I remember correctly, it was over the water, right? Wasn't it skip? No, the the, the Mount Rainier, uh, the sighting was over Mount Rainier. Oh, okay, yeah. But, but was, there has been many sightings that were they reported uh, the objects disappearing into the ocean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The um, the sighting uh, in in. Uh, Kenneth Arnold's uh, area, because the the uh, it, it occupied uh, nine objects and not just one object, it, it created a, a large concern, and the public uh, was asking a lot of questions, and so those questions continued, and all of a sudden now we have a crash in uh, New Mexico, and the press prints a story that the uh, U.S. Army picked up a disc. That story got picked up by the airways and went all around the world, and that was like wildfire. And uh, we haven't had any of these since then. So they, they, with that one, and then the fake balloon, the fake balloon uh, they, where they tried they to blame it on the weather balloon, story and then so it became fast. a fake story really fast. Oh. Those were the two slip ups, and then then they went really <laughs> Gestapo on it. <laughs> yeah, that's that brought the subject into top secrecy. Once they can, once they had an object and the bodies, uh, and then they knew. I'm telling you, confirmation that we were not alone was confirmed with that with that crash, and they were they were like they were in trouble because they didn't know what to do about it. They didn't want to tell the public. They didn't want. They thought that it, this would cause a, a big concern with the general public because they were they were just being relieved of the fact that we conquered and finished the war in, in with Germany, and and now to have something else to be worried about. No, no, they didn't want the public to be worried about it. So they figured uh, until they knew what this was, what the agenda was, they were going to keep this off the records, and they still are keeping this off the records. So that indicates to me. That after all these years, they still don't know what what this what this uh, agenda is, unless they do, and they're not telling the public too that too, right. which which is possible. And once they start lying to us, I mean, uh, what's another lie on top of one lie? Right. You had something for the end that you were thinking about. Um... Well, what I was going to do is I was going to describe. Uh, in here, uh, have a book called The UFO Cover-Up uh, by Lawrence Fawcett and Barry Greenwood. And uh, they they have a, a forward in here by Dr. J. Allen Hynek. And he was the uh, 
Mm-hmm. He was the consultant to uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind for Steven Spielberg, and he was the consultant to the United States Air Force during Project Blue Book. So he's a very uh, important man to this subject, and uh, his uh, his advice or his uh, opinion is considered, uh, you know, hollow ground. And uh, at one point, he was he was uh, what I consider a, a storyteller because he was not telling the public the whole story. He was just giving the public what they needed to uh, hear, and uh, that would be it. But as he, as years went by, he started to take a different point of view. And in this particular book, he, he references these, these uh, investigators who have pulled out documents from the uh, Freedom of Information Act. And ah, they, and they indicate all these uh, documents that have been withheld and how they refer to military uh, encounters with... Uh, these are the, do- the, the documents that they requested that were not provided. Basically. Yes. And that's there's a statement in here proof. that's really interesting. Um, a, a document was released along with the other documents, which mm-hmm. was put out by a Canadian engineer 1950, 1950. <laughs> that was a busy year. <laughs> he uh, was uh, was looking into uh, work on uh, magnetics, and he was uh, an engineer. And uh, the subject of flying saucers happened to come up in a memo, and uh, he said that he made discreet inquiries inquiries through the Canadian embassy staff in Washington who were able to obtain the following information, quote, the matter is the most highly classified subject in the United States government, higher than even the H-bomb. B, flying saucers exist. C, their modus operandi unknown is unknown, but concentrated effort is being made by a small group headed by Dr. Van of Bush, who happens to be the one of the, one of the uh, members of the Majestic Twelve uh, group. Uh, D. It says the entire matter is considered by the United States authorities to be of tremendous significance, and that the memo is classified top secret. Now, why would all of this information have to be top secret if the if the government keeps saying that UFOs don't exist? It, <laughs> it, it's it's sort of like a really uh, a, a lot of hypocrisy going on in here. With, with all these agencies uh, involved in suppressing information about this, yes, subject. flying saucer. Yes, that's a. I've been to that restaurant before. Yeah, ET. Yeah, I saw that movie. It's it's truly amazing when when you think about it. What an effort was made after this uh, confirmation in Roswell was made, and they knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that we were being looked at. And numbers of the books that I picked up years later, which had titles that uh, were just like that. One book has a title says, "Are they watching us?" I have another book that says, are they here from another planet? I have another book that asks uh, similar questions. So the, all these authors are all starting to realize back in the in the 50s that the U.S. government was hiding this information. And, and they they looked into it more and more and more and started to, to see that there's, a, there's something being hidden. And you can't just keep lying about something. Uh, when, when they keep being reported by people of good character, you know, the ones that have uh, a good uh, background, uh, military or someone of a high statue in the political arena. In the political arena. arena. You know, would be respected. Usually it was the military that was in a post, Secretary of State or 
the military or something like that. Yeah, because that we tried to we trusted the military I mean, and they got us out of the war. The, you know, the, mm -hmm. the success of the military operation in, in Europe was was uh, you know we we looked at the military as as something that right. uh, was good. Not to, not today where we have to deal with people that uh, are not uh, not seeming to be the best. But um, anyway, the uh, the subject, like I say, is uh, not an easy subject to comprehend. It, it takes a good a good uh, open mind and reading, which uh, uh, a lot of people today. It's a mountain of evidence, really. A lot of people don't do the reading anymore. It's uh, sort of like a lost art. But uh, I always recommend reading, whether it's uh, this subject or any other subject. You know, I was a young. I was a young boy. I read every book uh, on the Hardy Boys and uh, Tom Swift, so I, I had no problem starting to read about other things. And what's interesting about it is in the beginning of this podcast, uh, this episode, you talked about technology. But this library of books that you have, I see you going back through them with new things and, you know, with new things that are coming out today. In, the, in light of these new things, and comparatively, you're still digging back into mm -hmm. the 1950s and saying, oh, yeah. Things that <laughs> I, I think that I may have overlooked or may have not uh, taken. Uh, or in light of new information. Yeah, because don't forget, as you read more and more from different writers and investigators, you get a, uh, uh, a consolidated view, uh, yeah. and you make your choices on what you're going to accept as truth. So I've accepted the, uh, the basic truth that this document, uh, the Eisenhower briefing document and the uh, Truman letter signed is the real McCoy. And despite people saying, oh, it's not this, it's not that, it's, he didn't sign it correctly, he didn't put a period at the end. You know, I've heard all of that, but in reality, all the all the evidence points to a massive coordinated cover-up of, of very high sophistication involving the national security agency of the united states i mean where what what higher agency do you want to talk about <laughs> i mean we got the cia involved in this subject we got the uh, national security agency and the president of the United States uh, may or may not know about this subject. The present, present, the present president may not be <laughs> informed. Usually, we believe we believe that they haven't been. In general, I think that as the years uh, progressed, uh, the the secrecy uh, clammed up on the uh, or executive. Went, it went branch. even more underground than president. Yeah, and the last president that really was informed about it was George W. Bush. Maybe because his father? No, George W. Oh, right, right, right. Bush. Right, because right, he was CIA director. Well, guys, it's been a lot of fun today. We're going to have more interesting banter for you next week. Do you think we should, uh, Bob, do you think we should um, maybe go into the Project Blue Book and the implications around that? Do that next week. That's that's a, a, another area of concern, uh, which I'll, I'll bring you up on. Let's uh, do it, guys. Please send your questions to in, inquiries to UFOs Top Secret at Proton Mail. This has been another wonderful episode of UFOs Top Secret with expert Bob Bria. Yeah, I got a lot of, a lot of information in my head. I got to give it out to you. So bring up your questions. We'll be live in the Podbean live room at 6.30 on Tuesdays and at 8 p.m. on other formats. This is UFO's Top Secret with ex experts Bob Bria. Sayonara. Bye-bye, Earthlings. Why are UFOs tops?